0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Okay, well, good afternoon everyone. Welcome to the fourth annual Eightfold Path program. Unfortunately, it began with an erroneous email telling you that it began at one thirty and it really begins at one so I'm so glad you're all here but there may be a second wave at 1.30 <laughs> people who believe the email so um, fortunately we're planning to start with a sit so we'll maybe have that run a little longer just to be sure that everybody's here who wants to be here. Is the sound okay? okay? so I'm Chris Clifford and this is Bruni Davila I'm so happy to be sharing this program with And our third teacher is Kim Allen. And hopefully one of the three of us will be here at all the sessions to provide some continuity. And then we'll have some guest teachers come in and teach with us for part of the sessions. So the plan for today is that we'll have a sit and then um, I will introduce the Eightfold Path. What is it? Where does it come from in the teachings? Why are we doing this? And then we'll have a dis- breakout discussion, which is a key part of these meetings so that you get to know each other and have a feeling of community. And then Bruni will talk about the program, the structure of the program, some uh, important attitudes and ideas to bring to how to work with the program. We'll have another discussion group, and that's our basic plan for today. Okay? So we have assigned a mentors to everyone who signed up by the deadline, and you will be hearing from them pretty soon and uh, if you haven't signed up if you thought you didn't need to do that or you want a mentor and you didn't understand you can come and talk to me at the break and we'll see what we can do about that okay it's also fine to come here get the mailings and do the course on your own without a personal mentor if that's what you wanted to do all right okay so let's begin with a sitting because mindfulness and a quiet mind is essential to how we're going to go about working with the path so we want to keep that very much an element of it right from the beginning so take a posture Like so it's very helpful to take a moment to see if you can get a feeling for your spine being aligned in a way that supports your uprightness without additional muscle strain some folks are getting cushions which is fine give them a minute So we'll begin by just grounding our energy and attention in the body. So you might begin by bringing some awareness to the point where you're in contact with your seat, your cushion or your chair. Just letting yourself settle deeply into the support of the ground through your cushion or your chair just noticing if you feel in balance from side to side, front to back how much can you just relax and let go into that feeling of being supported by the nature of your bones and relaxed in your muscles, relaxed but awake in your attitude, in your mind, knowing what's happening as it's happening without any need to comment on it or make anything of it. Just aware the simplicity of sitting here. Being supported by the earth. You might let your attention go to where your feet contact the ground. Feeling maybe some warmth, tingling. The balance. Centered, balanced. At some point you might notice some gentle movement in your body associated with breathing in and breathing out. If you can just let that come to you, there's no need to breathe in any particular way. Just notice it the way you notice your feet against the floor. Letting it be, trusting that your body knows how to breathe. You might sense some moving in your belly, stretching out the out in-breath, relaxing back with the out-breath. Sounds come and go. Breaths come and go. Just settling back, knowing what's happening. Letting it be seen, heard, and felt for just what it is. Simple, not a problem. The mind wanders off into thinking. When you wake up, there you are. Just check back in with the felt sense of your body sitting here in contact with the chair Breathing in, breathing out, happening all on its own Mind wanders. We wake up, we remember, here we are. No need to judge that. Just notice, oh, it was lost, now it's back. Reconnecting with the felt sense of sitting here. Breathing in, breathing out. Sounds happen. How do we meet those sounds? With aversion, with ease and equanimity. Maybe a little joy in the sound of children. So in the last few minutes of our sitting, I invite you to connect with your heart. Maybe bring to mind your intention for joining this program. See if you can connect with the felt sense of that inspiration. What is this point in your life that's brought you here? So much just going into your head to think about it, but see if you can stay connected with the breath, the body, the tenderness in the center of your chest or wherever you feel your heart center. Your good wishes for yourself, for your world. Well, this looks like a pretty good crowd here. I was worried because I sent out this email accidentally saying it started at 1.30. So i um, just warning. <laughs> I know, I'm sure. So uh, why don't we just spend a few more minutes, occurred to me, before I start on the Dharma talk. Um, Bernie, you want to introduce yourself a little bit more? Um,
1: sure. Um, Are you on? I'm on. No.
0: Is she on? Is your thing on?
1: Hold, let me turn it on. You have to, there you go. Can you hear me? Well, okay, great. So um, I feel just to be here with all of you today. Uh, some of you may have seen me around. I've been at uh, practicing with IMC for the past maybe 10 years, something like that, and. Have been practicing since um, maybe the early 90s, different places. And here I am. I arrived here. Um, I, um, I have dedicated some of the service that, that I do in my life to, to IMC and IRC, doing um, registering. Many, some, maybe some of you have gone already to some of the retreats we offered at IRC, and um, have gone through the SATI program, the SATI program for introduction to chaplaincy. So different ways I've been um, here in um, giving and and receiving so much uh, from so many people that practice here and service here.
0: and
1: I'm so happy to be doing this with you yeah. Yeah. wonderful to be with
0: Chris here so thank you well I've been practicing here for about 20 years and uh, doing various things this has just come on in the last few years and I really love doing it and uh, working with the online introductory course that we have that reaches people all over the world teaching meditation It's is really fun and uh, working in the kitchen at our retreat center so just you know as Bernie said anyway that works out to help and be enjoyable and of service is really delightful um I thought we might who else here is a mentor in this program would you raise your hands Okay, so I know it's confusing that people don't know who their assignments are, but let me just say this is Tanya and Jim and Judy Cannon in the back there, and Michael Bennett. Anybody I miss? Okay, so if you happen to have heard from them and you want to introduce yourself to them, you you know the list the you will be contacted if you've signed up, and if you haven't, you can come and see me at the break, okay. So, um, let's go ahead and start. I think we're doing okay here. Yeah, so here we all are. We're all at least some decades into our life, right? (laughs) Apparently. We're setting out on this year of working with the Eightfold Path, which is this 2,500-year-old formula for more happiness and less suffering. So if you're here, you've already begun to take seriously this question of, you know, what's the deal with seeking happiness and peace of mind and a way to serve in the world, contentment, the meaning of life, right? And then we continue to encounter all this suffering and anxiety and stress and how to balance those and how to get more and more wise in working our way through that. Everyone, you know, by our age is somewhat conscious of Death, illness, old age, loss, misfortune, you know, meaninglessness at times, at least plenty of unpleasant sensations, (laughs) you know, pretty total lack of perfect control over what happens. So how do we work with this? How do we be happy and at peace even living in that world? Now, even as it was true 2,500 years ago, there's this wilderness of false promises, of Acquiring things, buying things, being seen to be a certain way, being a certain kind of person, getting the approval of others, whether they're wise people or not. You know, you happen to work for them or be born into their family or whatever. You know, and there's a lot of stress and strain in getting through life. So what the Buddha realized in essence is that true happiness and peace comes from having a peaceful and kind heart comes from our intent, the intentions that we bring to what we do. Unhappiness comes from the self-centered, harmful, and grasping, manipulating attitudes and the behaviors that those lead to in the world that continue this cycle of causing suffering in their very nature to ourselves and causing suffering in their results to other people. So these are factors that we can safely learn to cultivate safely and reliably and the resulting happiness is true regardless of external circumstances and furthermore acting from this kind of understanding is actually the best we can do for the world I know that most people who've come here are already quite with the program of wanting to you know be a good influence in the world So there's this beautiful sense of no conflict in this path between the means and the ends, right? All ends are relative. Things keep going after the end, the so-called end, right? And so much of the means by which these ends were achieved really is what determines how they unfold, how things unfold from then on, right? So we're really working with the union of these two Qualities of what what how do we do something is maybe at least as important or more important than what we're actually doing. So, how do we go about recognizing and seeing for ourselves these truths? Strengthening our good intentions, seeing through with compassion whatever we're still holding on to, letting go of our less skillful habits. How do we cultivate and stabilize this wiser relationship with ourself and with all of the other people in life forms and situations that we might encounter. So when we turn to this question that's based on this kind of understanding this is where we're stepping on the Buddhist path. And this alone can be a great relief seeing that we have this potential to let go of this exhausting and pointless search for happiness out there somehow and really start to look within and cultivate our own resources that we find in our own hearts. So this path comes from the very first teaching that the Buddha gave. You know, he practiced for a long time all kinds of different practices starving himself and trying to find the answers to these questions and then he had this realization of this middle way path that was not indulging in depending on sense pleasures to make you happy. But it was also not necessary to deny life and mortify yourself, or we might say these days, you know, take drugs and space out and, you know, get away from it all totally somehow. So there's this middle way. And it comes from the teaching that's called the first turning of the wheel. This is the wheel of the Dharma with these eight spokes. And the context that it's taught in is the four noble truths the truth that there is suffering the truth that suffering is caused by how we're relating to experience in this craving and grasping self-centered sort of way and the truth that when we stop doing that suffering ends suffering is relieved right and then the way to do that is the Eightfold Path so I like to understand the path the path is both the way that we finally get a taste of what's meant by that you know what does the buddha mean by suffering he doesn't mean you're never going to have a illness again or you're not going to die or you're not going to have any loss but there's a way of relating to it that's more open-hearted and less why me you know less oh dear this should not be happening but much more open-hearted awareness that this is a part of life and and you know there's there's a touching and compassionate way to relate to these things it's so much less suffering that we might call it not suffering (laughs) so you know I don't claim to be anywhere near the end of this and to understand what's meant by the end of suffering but you know I've had enough tastes of seeing ways of relating to things that make it worse and ways that make it better that I have a lot of confidence that this is well worth an investment of your year in looking into it um So when we look at the path, it's composed of these eight steps that I'll go over. They're traditionally begun in English with right, right view, right intention. And that can be a little off-putting. So what's meant by right is it's a translation that maybe you want to hold it as wise or appropriate for the purposes that we're undertaking here. You know, it's it's not... you know, meant to be an off-putting word. So just hold it as this is the view, the intentions, the way of using speech and action that is helpful and appropriate for the purpose of relieving suffering. There are three sections in the path. Um, And the order that these are usually taught in a graduated teaching, and that are really necessary for your own development, is actually not quite the order that they're laid out in, but we'll explain this in a minute. So, you could divide it into the whole Buddhist teaching into three parts. Uh, the Pali words for it, just for fun, are sila, samadhi, and panya. And sila means ethical behavior, virtue, you know, how you conduct yourself in the world. We were, some of us were just talking at a little meeting at my house the other night about how much we've come to really, you know, we're old 60s people and words like purity and wholesome and all that weren't so much the thing back then. But we've really come to appreciate those words, you know. And really, really, oh yeah, wholesome, that's good. You know, that's how I want to be in the world. And it's got that holistic ring to it and it's, it's good, right? We want to be good. So, Sila is this bedrock foundation of how we conduct ourselves in the world. And although you might have started with meditation, as I did, I was kind of a latecomer to the taking the path as the heart of the practice. To me it was sitting quietly and kind of de-stressing for many years. But it's hard to do that if you're still, you know, stirring up a lot of trouble in the world. You're not going to get that far with meditation. So the foundation is to start to look at how we behave and how we act in the world and what that does to our own minds and our own hearts. So, you know, the understanding of the Buddha is that every action produces some result. It may be an obvious result or it just may be reinforcing an inner habit of kind of tightening up and turning away. You know, you can crush a mosquito or something, but you might, if you look carefully, you might notice that you kind of have to Tighten up and not really look, you know, while you do it. And so it's got some little way in which it's influencing you as well as influencing the world around you. And this has so much to say about how will you look back at life, you know, on your deathbed, if you're lucky enough to have a deathbed to look back on, you know. What will count? Probably these memories of kindness, memories of love and work that you've done in support of life. You know, so this is for yourself and it's for others in a very balanced way. Then the second aspect of the training is samadhi, meditative kind of unification, calming of the mind, quieting down of all this inner noise. Training the mind, working with the mind to let go of these deeper and deeper layers of mental irritants and habits that keep driving our behavior. Really, di- And also really discovering the happiness and bliss that's possible through meditation goes a long way to relieving, you know, addictive needs for stimulation of other kinds and so forth. So it's really, it's, it's both insight into the deep roots of our unskillful behavior and it's a replacement kind of happiness that's better than, you know, more ice cream. So, well, you know, occasionally you want the ice cream, but <laughs> no, it's... It's, it's a, uh, anyway. And then the, <laughs> the third factor is wisdom, Panya, the development of wisdom. And this comes through what you observe as you slowly work with your ethical behavior and you slowly calm the mind and get some experience, some taste of what is not suffering and what is suffering. The wisdom really deepens. You see through these deeper and deeper conditioned illusions about what's worth clinging to and what's not worth clinging to and you know the more you can see the more clearly you see it the more deeply you let go the more deeply you let go the happier you can be and so uh, eventually complete freedom from the forces of greed hatred and delusion it's interesting that in Buddhism that's how enlightenment is defined as the absence of greed hatred and delusion what you do with it is up to you you know you can be an artist you can serve the world you can be a great parent you can do whatever you want need to do or want to do you know it's not it's not trying to get to a particular state or become a certain kind of person but letting go of greed hatred and delusion right so this is it's a it's a process and the path is a spiral you know we get more wisdom then we're able to act more wisely then we're able to calm down more then we get more wisdom and So it spirals on in this way. So the eight factors that we'll be studying them this year in their traditional order actually start with wisdom. The wisdom factors of right view and right intention. And if you think about it, that's true because you really need a preliminary sort of wisdom to even undertake this, right? So we'll start with looking at where are we in our views? Okay, what is it that we believe? What do we really think life is all about? And what, what views are driving us right now? And we'll understand where we are with our wisdom and how that's giving rise to what kind of intentions. And then we'll look at how we're behaving in speech and action and livelihood. And then I, the way I see it is after several months of looking at that we're really understanding the motivation behind meditation. And calming down and mindfulness. Of course we need to use those factors all along during the year. But I find it's very motivating to really take a look at my speech and my actions. Oh, this is why I need to sit. This is why I need to calm down. Because I just can't get to whatever it is that keeps me blurting out things I wish I didn't say. Or, you know, eating too much or whatever my thing is. You know, so how, how can I really get more to the bottom of that? I can... I can sit more, I can quiet the mind, I can make a little more skillful effort and those are the last factors that we'll get to. So you can see how it's a spiral. Now we're going to take one pass through it in the traditional order. So I like to think of the path as a sort of engine of integrity. You know, if you look at it, this is, you're kind of rolling through life in this little fashion. You have some beliefs and views, those condition your intentions that conditions what you say and how you act you know, and those kind of add up to sort of your character and some of your bigger life choices in terms of work and situations of one sort or another, right? and then that's how you're going along and most people are going along without really looking at it very clearly but you're starting to look at it clearly or maybe you've been looking at it clearly for thirty years and here you are you know, taking it to another level And so the more you look at it then the wiser it is and the wiser it is the wiser you act and the more you include looking at it because you understand the value of that and so it becomes an upward spiral of a kind of an engine that leads to more and more integrity in your life, more and more wisdom, more and more peace and happiness. And it's not really linear. I mean, you know, the factors all influence each other. You have mindfulness, intention, wise effort, what your beliefs are, these are, one of the sutras actually says these are circling around each other and circling around all the factors you know, so it's not a straightforward path and it's not it's, it's a real complicated maze but we study it in a way that hopefully starts to shed some light on it so what does it mean to be on the path? Um, I think of it in two ways, of orientation and navigation. So it's an orientation that we all really need in our lives. What's our life about? What's the meaning of life? And it's so, so incredibly valuable to bring this orientation to whatever you're doing so that you can always look at, well, how am I doing it? You know, say you have to work late at night and, you know, you don't want to be there and there's chaos going on and all that you can always turn to, okay, how am I going to bring the path factors to work here? It's like a higher level project that you always have going in your mind that can make any situation meaningful to you, you know, and give you some opportunity to relate to it in a way that's more skillful. And we're, we're orienting toward this direction of greater and greater peace and happiness and being able to be an open-hearted person in the world you know, and that direction then starts to gather a lot of other factors into our life to make sense more and more often. It, it isn't too helpful in this path. You know, maybe some of you are really inspired by the idea of total liberation. And that's, that's great, as long as you keep your eye on the steps right in front of you. You know, because what's happening right now is the only place that we can really make any progress in that direction. You know, so that idea is, for some of you it may be out there like the North Star that you're not so much thinking you're going to get there but you're thinking that, you know, at least you're heading for true north. You know, in in your worldly navigation. (laughs) Right? But, so, you know, there's different places to be in this and and it's all good as an orientation. The second aspect is what you might call navigation. So how do you know if you're on the path? And in what way is this a path? It's not a path like it's predefined and, you know, oops, you took a wrong step or, you know, it's not laid out, it's, it's a way, I think of it as a set of skills, like navigating a forest, you know, you're learning to recognize the trees, and you're learning the animal signs, and you're learning about the stars, and then you're, you're out in the kind of trackless wilderness of the rest of your life. <laughs> and you have, but you have these skills, you know, so, and you have your orientation. So it's not a path like it's, you know, all mown for you and you're just going to skip along like the yellow brick road, exactly. But, but it's, it's navigational skills. And you can always ask yourself... You, know, you can always. these are factors that you can always check in with. You know, what's my intention? What am I believing in this moment? How am I speaking? What tone of voice is coming out? Where is my voice coming from? Am I shouting or... You know, how am I feeling? What am I doing right now? How am I using, what's my place in society and my views about how I'm using the resources of this planet and the people around me to make my way, have my livelihood. So the practice is inviting this cultivation of two factors that we don't think that often that we have control over which are intention and attention. You know, you don't think so much of those as precious resources that you can cultivate and learn how to use more wisely. But they're probably your two greatest human attributes. The ability to notice and pay attention to what is your intention and just to pay attention, notice where your intention is. You know, how much time are you spending surfing bad news on the internet? You know, or, you know, or, you know, I don't know, Whatever, you know, for example. But how much time are you spending just not paying attention, having no idea where your attention is? It's probably going over and over and over, thoughts you've thought a million times. You know, it's just kind of being frittered away. So it's a, you have to be very easy with yourself, because it's not easy. This is a very strong habit that we all have of not being very clear about our attention or our intention. But you can you can always check in. Where, where is my attention? What am I noticing right now? What's my relationship to what's happening? What's my intention with respect to what's happening? So the, constantly doing that is being on the path. And the practices of the path that ground us in this direct observation, direct experiencing with our senses, which includes our mind, but most of us are pretty tipped over into thinking a lot about stuff in abstract, philosophical, memory-based terms, you know. And we need rebalancing to really taking in, in a sensory way, what's right in front of us right now, what is our heart and our five senses telling us about what's going on right now. So we're really increasing our sensitivity to what's going on around us. We're practicing non-denial, learning how to really access and navigate by this felt sense of well-being. And so you find this real growing sense of integrity and confidence that you have what you need inside you to really find lasting peace and happiness in the world. So got a few minutes does anyone have any questions or comments about uh the path or you know Brittany's going to talk about the program so let's not get into that but maybe just uh did what i've said raise any questions for you or anything you'd like to share Well, our next event is a little breakout session so why don't we first get into groups of five and you can go out there you can go up here just get in well yeah no I'll tell you first since you may need to go out there I'll tell you the question first and then just get into groups of five and if you feel like you're an odd number, walk toward the front and we'll we'll group you. So um, we're going to go around in the group one person at a time and uh, I'll ring a bell every about three minutes. So each person will have three minutes to just share what's brought you here. You know, just in, just it's a way of getting to know each other, just finding out what we all have in common or different about what's brought us here. Okay, so just about three minutes of sharing on why you're here, what's inspired you to take this, what's going on in your life. Okay, and the rest of the time, just practice mindful listening. Listen to the person who's speaking. See how present you can be. Not rehearsing what you want to say, but see if you can really be present in just hearing them and trusting that when it's your turn. Something truthful will come out, okay, okay, so get getting... there any common themes or observations in your group? It's nice to hear a little bit from people. Anyone willing to say anything? Good, thank you. okay, and we're just going to use these. For the there's quite a few people in the program who will be listening to the recordings who don't live here, so that's why we're going to use the mics. Uh, so at least in our group, I think a very common reason um, was that they would had an interest for a while, and this is a good way to bring structure to the time and, and find the time. So, so I'd just like to thank you for, mm-hmm. for giving that, because it's something I definitely felt I needed, and I think everybody does. Thank you. Yeah.
1: So everybody in our group, that is totally different reason. However, we have this similar enthusiasm. (laughs) We all want to be here. And we're really looking forward to this program. And uh, we also very appreciate the opportunity to be able to practice with this wonderful group.
0: Thank you. <laughs> Anybody else? Okay, well let's take about a ten minute break. Um we'll come back at uh, maybe a little more. We're we're fine on our schedule. So we'll come back about two twenty five and you can talk to each other informally. Out there, you can come up here if you have issues with the program with me, and then Bruni will talk about the program. (laughs) I mean, you know, regarding mentors and the mailing and all that.